My name is Kate Pruser. I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing, and joining me tonight is Deputy Editor John Troopin. John, how are you? Doing well. Not... Very good. Very good. And also, staff writer Matthew Robertson. Matthew, how are you? Doing pretty all right, Kate. Nothing, uh, nothing to report on. Just kind of living life as it comes at me. Hmm. Wise words. Um, so attentive listeners will notice that we have not done a podcast since like the middle of December. And this is my fault because we actually recorded one last week, but I got really busy and did not realize it was my job to edit it this time around. And I was have just been so busy with like regular stuff, but then also kind of the Edgar Hall theme push and... Uh, a lot of other things. So um, we are recording this as kind of a coda, and we're gonna mash this with, together with last or with the one that we recorded last week. And um, if you notice any weird skips and jumps, that's why, because my editing skills are not great. But I'm gonna do what I can, and um, you know we're gonna get this out because people have been asking about, which honestly is very affirming thank you to those of you who've said where's the podcast because um and and that is what our really all good. of our listeners sound like they're how like this and okay then... that's not the voice that i did that's definitely not the voice that i did hey, uh... rude um i don't know i call that that's... voice chad yeah that's how i read sometimes. all of your tweets <laughs> This is our this is our heel turn podcast. This is our heel turn addendum. <laughs> alienate the listeners. <laughs> good, good. That way they'll quit asking us, and I won't feel guilty about not yeah. asking, not uh, editing the podcast. We're, um, we're leaving. We're leaving positive relationships with our audience in 2018. Because absolutely, we haven't put out a podcast sure, in 2019. Sure. It's like we're Marie Kondo tidying up our listener base. <laughs> 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 treating others with kindness does not spark joy no so. no no providing what the people want Mm-mm. yeah Latin our listeners are canceled other books content, content does not spark joy <laughs> well there is some content that has sparked joy and that is oh look at that transition uh, i mean i just watched virtually watched the washington huskies win in oregon for the first time in like basically a decade so um yeah i'm feeling pretty good right now and my favorite player ever the reason i love baseball the reason i am where i am today doing what i do edgar martinez is a hall of famer kate uh, i wish i wish i knew how to like make sounds go so because i would make the sound that goes (laughs) i I mean i was thinking of applause but yes finger guns sure air air horns are i'm leaving okay i I don't actually know it's more of a scream 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 (laughs) yes okay thank you and kate i mean edgar you know, I grew up watching Edgar. Obviously, you know, I grew up in the '90s. I watched, you know, the early 2000s Mariners. You know, those teams were sort of what stoked my passion for baseball and for the Mariners as I was growing up. But like, 
Edgar really was the central sort of tenant of your baseball experience. Yes. I mean, you know, I I think you've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, but like, you know, what what really sort of you know, what was your sort of first experience with baseball and what was your first experience with Edgar and, and like what what makes the what made what set Edgar apart for you? Because I think that would that I would love to hear that story. Um, and... um, so my dad has two girls, and he really wanted a boy. Like when I was a little kid, I found a book in my mom's bathroom called "Choosing the Sex of Your Child," and all the pages on how to have a boy were like highlighted and turned down, like dog-eared. Wow. Um, so yeah, did not get his boy. Unfortunately, so I think he like sized up me and my sister and was like, oh, I'll take the husky one and tried to <laughs> kind of make me into the, into the sporty one. And also my sister like had zero interest in anything. So like I played all the sports and I try. I'm not a great athlete, though. Hmm. Like I can do. I was going to say, you, you played the, you, you described it as Charlie Brown baseball. Yeah, I played I Snoopy soccer and Charlie Brown baseball. And I was always <laughs> the worst player on the team. And I was also left handed. So like. Hmm. A lot of my role was just going up and getting hit by pitch. <laughs> I led the league in hit by pitch. Um, but, yeah, so it was... Craig Biggio route to the Hall he, of Fame. I love it. To this day, my dad and I, like, that's... We have very different politics. Like, we're very different people. Um, but sort of, it's the thing that we can do together is sports. And mm -hmm. I... When I was younger, you know, we'd sit in front of the TV, the little, you know, it, it had to be turned with a dial. Like I lived in the age before remotes cause I'm so old. Hmm. Um, and I just remember sitting on the floor in my living room with all my stuffed animals and each one I had named after a player. And I chose one of my stuffed animals that I thought like represented each player. Like the Ken Griffey Jr. was like this cheetah puppet that I had because it was really fast and he was fast and um, I made little name tags for them and I had little cardboard bases and I'd sort of keep score with the game by like watching the game and then just moving my stuffed animals around the bases and hmm. the Edgar one I knew I loved Edgar because I picked my favorite stuffed animal which was this dragon um, <laughs> to be Edgar and I, I just... Even, for, like, from an early age, I kind of understood that, like, Ken Griffey Jr. was the star, right? Like, he was the big deal. But I loved the way that Edgar went about his business. I loved his persona. I loved that every time he came up, he might not get, like, the big hit, but he would get a hit. And we were talking about this a little before recording, but my favorite tool is the hit tool. I love someone who can just hit and hit and hit and mm -hmm. outsmart the pitcher who is doing his best. Like, and Edgar talked about that in one of his interviews after he was elected, that he looks at every at-bat as a competition and you're trying to win the at-bat. And maybe you don't get a big hit, but you you take a walk and you help your team in that way. And mm -hmm. the idea of the the fact that the organization has named the Productive Team Plate Appearance Award after him and uh, the fact that that gives these players who are maybe a little fringier, like Dean Navarez, who I really like, um, a catcher we took out of uh, San Diego State, 
correct, I want to say? I believe that's correct. I having, think so. Um, he has a really cool today. backstory, too. He's the one whose dad got shot in Tijuana, and he, like, um, made all the arrangements to get him medical care in the U.S. And mm-hmm. uh, while he was playing college baseball, it like, really kind of an amazing yeah. story. Cool kid. Yeah. Bilingual. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Huge leader, catcher. Um, and he gets an invite to spring training, even though he was drafted like just this past year, because he led the organization in productive plate appearances. Mm-hmm. And I just think that idea of like being not just living for your own stats, but like being a great teammate, helping. Yeah. It's like service learning or, or being community service, service journalism, which is a lot of what I think we want to practice at the site, giving people something, um, the importance of giving back and, and being a good citizen and being a good teammate. Those values are really important to me. And you, I could just tell, you know, eight years old, I knew that, Edgar was was a good teammate and he's continued to live his life in that way and just always offering a hand up whether it was helping younger prospects he used to have them into his living room in Dorado Puerto Rico you know people would come from all over the island to listen to him teach um, to him being the hitting coach um, to the work that he's done he did a lot of work supporting teachers which obviously education is very important to me um a lot with foundations trying to get teachers of color, Hispanic teachers into the classroom. I mean, he he is as great. Everyone always says like, oh, great person, great player. But Edgar truly is the best of both. He is one of the best players, but also one of the best people. And I'm just so proud he was ours. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's yeah, it's tough to good. follow that, um, but I will try. So, <laughs> good, good, Matthew, shoot your shot, baby. <laughs> I, I oh, mean, yeah. I really, yeah, I really I'm getting shots like, up, no matter what. Uh, go for okay, it, Matthew. David Crisp. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my like early baseball experience came from uh, when I was like three or four years old. Um, my family's house was being built, so we lived with my grandparents for a little bit. And my grandpa was retired at the time, so he was watching like 150 Mariners games a year. And I would just sit next to him on the couch and kind of take it all in. And I remember he would always make fun of Edgar for being slow. Um, he would he would say Edgar was Cadillacking because in my grandpa's mind, if you have a Cadillac, you want to drive slow so as much people sure, can see so you as possible. See you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So he would always make jokes about Edgar Cadillacking. Cadillacking. Is and that I was like, like thing? Or is that just I've, your grandpa? It's a grandpa-ism That's for fan- sure. That is fantastic. <laughs> I'm stealing that. My grandpa also yeah. drove a Cadillac, so well, there you I, go. Yeah, but so yeah, I mean, obviously, I was drawn to him being good at baseball, and also kind of like I remember my early Mariner experience. It was like a lot of the late '90s, so like Edgar. Um, I remember really liking A Rod, and I would talk about <laughs> how creamy his skin was. <laughs> it was like very like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, young A-Rod had amazing skin, and he still does have good skin, but I just remember being drawn to, like, a lot of the, like, black and brown players. So, like, Brian Hunter was in there as well. But when you're that young, like, for me, like, they took on kind of, like, mythical um, beings because I was so little and, like, watching them on TV. So, like, Edgar was like that. And then, obviously, like, 
you learned what the double was. And I was like, oh my God, like he did like the coolest thing that the Mariners have ever done. And he didn't seem real. And then I honestly don't have like a whole lot of distinct memories. I have much more memories of the other three guys who were elected, if we're being honest, just because they kind of overlapped with my like serious baseball watching. But so I remember like learning about the double. And then I remember Edgar in the 01 playoffs hitting a bunch of home runs against the Indians and then him taking that lap around the field when he retired and, like, giving everyone a high five. So he almost, like, existed in this, like, other world where it's like, yeah, I understand that he's on my favorite team and I was watching him for so long, but it never really clicked that he was, like, a real person until he joined the organization later as the hitting coach and I saw him mm-hmm. kind of, like, take a step back and be, like, more human than the players who are actually playing the game and kind of being, like, the superheroes. He was just the guy who, like, was the teacher, kind of like um, Kate touched on a little bit. So that was sort of my Edgar, um, like, interactions. My guy, like, similar to how Edgar was kind of Kate's guy, my guy was Felix just because that was, like, the era I grew up in, and Edgar was, like, sort of the one before, like, the respected elder almost. But... Mm. I mean, I definitely... Or, or as Malik Smith referred to him today, a T-Rex, yeah. which huge... <laughs> which is fantastic. It's I'm fantastic. a big fan. I can't believe... I mean, and I feel like anyone else that would have made me so mad, but there's something about Malik Smith. So we're, we're referring to the press conference today, the, the media day that happened, which we'll touch on as well. Malik Smith was one of the three players who... Uh, was talking and and Edgar came up because of course he's kind of on people's minds right now and um, I I want to say it was maybe Bob Dutton it was one of the older reporters who was asking like oh haha you know I looked up to Edgar and Griffey but those guys are like a generation past you guys right um, and Malik's just kind of ran with it and started calling them the T Rexes. <laughs> Which is, like, it was so charming that it was, like, it's really kind of insulting, I think. <laughs> like, the way that, like, Malik's can get away with it in, in some way. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe he's going to get an angry call from Junior later. Like, what are you mean calling me a dinosaur? But I don't know. Um, it was It is a power to move. About, to... though. It's... <laughs> it's, like, first day. Right? Just first come in. Day. And the guy just got into the Hall of Fame, and he's like, yeah, right. you're a dinosaur. Right. Step aside, old man. <laughs> in an organization that you were in for the second time, having been traded away your first time 27 minutes into your tenure or whatever, right? I mean, he's, well, he's, he's literally 20 years younger than the person who's going to be his backup, at least on <laughs> opening day. So, like... <laughs> I feel like maybe his read on dinosaurs in this organization is pretty spot on. But Malix is on brand. He did say that he gives zero fucks, and that's why he wears number zero. That so is true. That I wouldn't true. want him to say that and then be like really buttoned up in interviews. Like that wouldn't yeah, you know, track. So he's 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 living his truth. He is. John, John what is a wanna, yeah? Give yeah, us your Edgar, your Edgar story? stuff. Oh, I I don't I don't have quite as gripping of a story. I, but I mean, my sort of my coming to love baseball was in large part 
similarly with my dad. My mom also loved baseball. You know, she grew up in Chicago, was a huge Ernie Banks fan. But, um, but you know, like I learned to read, reading box scores with my dad in the morning before school. And like, it was always, you know, I learned the entire Mariners lineup. And so, and I learned all their batting stances and I would, you know, stand and play, um, you know, a game essentially where I would act out their each hitter in the lineup and then my dad would chuck a like nerf ball and then you know and and edgar was just always you know i mean it was it was edgar and it was and it was oh shout out to young flip who comes to ll softball who has who had all of the 2018 mariner stances down absolutely absolutely that was fantastic i mean it's it's such a fun such a fun little bit of style uh Mm -hmm. that that baseball has to offer edgar's Um, got a great stance too for impersonating it's so distinct so that was exactly i mean that's exactly what i was going to get to is like you know i obviously like he was incredible to watch it was wonderful to you know you know i i recall loving it but but just that like very slowly rock the bat over his head and back stance was just so simply evocative and it was so just cool calm and boom i got you like you threw it up and in i got you you threw it low and away i got you like even just like remembering the way that he'd have pine you know the, the way that he would pine tar his bat so that it was it looked like almost the entire part of his bat that was left was barrel like it just it's such a vivid image in my head of oh you're never going to you're never going to jam him all that you have to do is you know all that he has there is just the best part of the barrel john i have a question um so i again stalled out at charlie brown baseball so Mm -hmm. not a hitting expert um Mm -hmm. i have a book that edgar wrote heavy mm-hmm. quotation marks around wrote sure. from 1992 mm-hmm. called Patience Pays. It's a children's mm-hmm. book um, mm-hmm. in which Edgar gives his hitting tips. Mm-hmm. And the hitting tip is like, hit the ball where it is. Yep. Which sounds really simple, but he's like, if it's inside, try to pull it. Mm-hmm. If it's over the plate, hit it up the middle. Mm-hmm. If it's off the plate, try to hit it oppo. And like, that seems really... Why doesn't everybody just do that? Like, hit the ball where it yeah. is. Why doesn't every MLB hitter just hit the ball where it is? Why don't they this get a is... hit every time? They're yeah, why don't idiots. they get a hit every time? This seems so simple. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's what made him so remarkable was that, you know, you you could fool him and you could overpower him. Those were sort of the two, you know, if you had a a really remarkable breaking pitch, you could fool him uh, because he would recognize essentially he he was just so good and he trained it so hard that he would recognize the pitch so early and his mechanics were that good that he would just get his barrel to the ball every time. And I mean, it's interesting, even if you just look at the players that he dominated, I mean, you know, we obviously talked a ton about Mariano Rivera, but, like, that was the thing, was, like, everyone knew what Mariano Rivera was going to do, and almost no one could do anything about it. And Edgar 
could get his hands through every single time. You know, Edgar Edgar was unfazed by Mo every single time. The pitchers who the two pitchers who sort of most notably gave him trouble were Pedro and Nolan Ryan. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, Pedro Martinez everything moved a ton and was faster than it had any right to be, especially right. in that era. And Nolan Ryan, who threw actually a hundred every time, <laughs> you know, when everyone was like, oh yeah, that person throws a hundred. No, Nolan Ryan actually throws a hundred <laughs> and no one else knows what is going on. And, you know, it's like everyone else, like, you know, just, he crushes Tim Hudson. He crushes Tom, uh, you know, ev- you know, all these unbelievable play- players. You couldn't get it by him. And it was, yeah, you know, I. A lot of people, I think, sort of have less, you know, less connection to the Hall of Fame than maybe they did when they were younger, because it's the type of thing that you care about more when you're younger, because it seems sort of majestic and and grandiose, and almost everything when you get older is a little bit less of that uh, as you grow more jaded, and and I think that's understandable, and I think that's fair, but there's something still powerful and meaningful about seeing something you love and have known to be important and have known to be deserving and hardworking and and all these things and just just to see that recognized by most people is i mean you know that and and have the majority of people say yes this person right. was exceptional and we should remember them forever. Because it's of pretty that. inspiring that it happened after like years of work. Like at you know, famously he mm-hmm. wasn't getting a whole lot of votes, and then it took yeah. kind of like a grassroots effort mm-hmm. um, for people to be like, no, actually he was great, and he like look at his numbers against all these great pitchers, and mm-hmm. you know all these numbers that you know only he's accomplished. Like there's mm-hmm. some I don't know them off the top of my head, but there was the one where it was like all these benchmarks like with only one team and it was like Edgar and Willie Mays and like maybe <laughs> Cal Ripken or something. Yeah. Everyone's like, Oh my God. Okay. Like we can all agree that, you know, Willie Mays and Edgar, or, I mean, Willie Mays and Cal Ripken are great. Like Edgar mm-hmm. did the same thing and mm-hmm. did it forever. And I was reading, um, I've been doing sort of like the hall of fame content consumption. And I came across, there's this Tom Verducci, um, sports illustrated story from like 2010 about Roy Mm -hmm. Halladay and he interviews a bunch of hitters from the AL East who had faced him a million times like Derek Jeter and Brian Roberts and they were like he's so hard to hit because you don't like you see the pitch coming and then it can break either way and like you know you're guessing cutter and then it's actually a sinker or whatever and I feel Mm -hmm. like Edgar would be like no, you idiots. Like, just hit it wherever it goes. Like, yeah. Don't guess. You know, Edgar doesn't strike me as a guess hitter. No. Like, just wait and then hit it wherever it ends up. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Jeter was, I think Jeter's quote was like, you know, you're selling out for the cutter and then it dives at you and, you know, you swing right over it. And, mm-hmm. you know, Brian Roberts talks about how he hit a million ground balls to the second baseman or something because he was just always getting these pitches that he was rolling over on. And I just, like, when I was reading that and then kind of, you know, taking it all in the lens of like Edgar. Cause it's just, you know, that hall of fame group will be connected forever. And I was mm. just thinking like, that doesn't seem like something that Edgar would relate to. It'd be like, no. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think Edgar was up there trying to guess. Edgar would what never the... sell out for anything. Right. And he would you just, know you know, do that like almost tennis swing where it's like, I'm just going to serve this, you know? Yeah. Yes. Very much so. 
<laughs> do you guys so i recall reading about albert pujols um sort of earlier in his career i mean when he was an established just god of baseball but and and remembering reading this and thinking back on it how similar and in fact it, it really was to edgar in that pujols discussed sort of his philosophy and that what he would try to do is sort of divide the strike zone into essentially like nine quadrants and that he would try and see you know each pitch and and sort of gauge it towards which quadrant it was headed for and and based on that that would be sort of his determinant on like how he was going to react to the pitch and and you know that's the type of thing that you the the trouble with the trouble with that and the trouble with things like like players like Edgar where it's like you think about it and you think like oh that's really smart I should try and do that you're not going to be able to do that no I mean honestly Edgar Edgar is special you know like I I even I'm not so sure about the claim that like oh I'm dividing the the strike zone into nine quads like maybe Pujols has that amazing kind of um spatial perception but right that but, seems like an insanely small amount that seems like cutting the slicing the ham very very thin I, to me I, in a way I, that i feel I is impossible to do in real time but i agree but i think that's me. the sort of like men no no i i think you're 100 percent correct i mean just like reaction time wise you cannot right. do that but Which, i do <laughs> think that it's 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 the sort of mentality of that's the way you prepare and then when you're reacting in the game that's the way that you've trained yourself and i think that edgar was very similar in that way of just the preparation was so meticulous and so particular that it it maximized everything he was capable of and that's a wonderful thing to see and that doesn't make the way that other players do things worse. You know, it just, it just was awesome to watch in, in every way. And he was awesome to watch in every way. And the fact that every single person who has spoken with him or, and has spoken about him has said, yes, you know, I mean, the, the, he's exactly the person that you, think he would be or yes. even more i mean the, the dave Niehaus quote you know he's every whether you've met him or whether you haven't he's everyone's best friend he's exactly the person you you would hope he would be i mean yeah never what meet more your could heroes. you ever want never meet hero? your heroes unless your hero is edgar martinez who, yeah, who i did good. meet when i was like t- 10 12 something like that He's doing mm-hmm. a signing at the Factoria Square Mall. Mm-hmm. And I um, went with my dad, who sucks at time, does <laughs> not, like, understand time. Yeah, he's just, he's always been his own businessman, and he's not, like, respond to anyone else's schedules other than his own. So we got there late, and they were, like, closing things down, and Edgar was leaving, and I was ready to just go home. I was so mad at him, you know, that we had, we'd gone and done this thing and I was so excited about it. And then we had left late and I was just, I was so pissed. I was just ready to go home. 
and my dad went up and like kind of interceded and Edward was like, of course, of course. And he made all this time. And like when I got to talk to him and I said, you know, I'm I'm a big fan and you're my favorite player and you know, whatever I said, I don't remember it at this time, but I do remember just how like time stopped and it didn't matter that he was leaving. It didn't matter that all around us, they were like pulling the cloth off the tables and folding up these big tables and stacking away the cards and like kind of, you know, trying to urge him on. He just took all the time I wanted to have. He talked to me as long as I wanted to talk to him. And he was, he was wonderful. That time stopped thing really resonates. It's like such a weird feeling when you're around someone who's like, has that sort of magnetism to them. And Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't know if that was 10 minutes or an hour. Like I was in college. I got to uh, the Warriors played a preseason game in San Diego and I got to cover it. And I just literally like, I didn't even have like an angle or anything for like being, I got there with a Lakers credential because it was a Warriors Lakers game, but I just like hung out in the (laughs) bowels of the arena to be around the Warriors. And like, eventually I was like, sort of just lingering and, like, in, like, a very, like, offhand conversation with, like, Curry and Durant and Clay Thompson, and I was like, I don't know, like, that could have been the shortest conversation ever, or that could have been, like, three hours, and I would have had no idea. And that <laughs> thing that uh, that you said about Pujols and, like, the way that he apparently divides the quadrants <laughs> up while he's hitting, like, mm-hmm. that's one of those things when I hear stuff like that where I'm always like, that's kind of how you know someone is, like, really, really great when, like, they're just able to say stuff like that. And you're like, okay, well, I, like, I know that wouldn't work it's for me. It's physically like, impossible. Yeah, but, it's like how when you, you hear, like, actually do that. Like, when you hear that, like, Jay Z doesn't write any of his raps, and you're like, what? Like, I could sit down for a year and try to write raps, and they'd be half as good as his, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, you just, you just do it. Like, you just have this thing. Like, just try this, and then you try it, and you're like, well, that's impossible. And it just mm-hmm. speaks to how good they are at that specific thing like you would never teach anyone to hold the bat over their head like edgar did like Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem like a good stance at all Mm -hmm. but you know it worked for him and he was Mm -hmm. so good at it that like you just have to kind of tip your hat and be like yeah you're the greatest keep doing that yeah and it's all impressive too when you think about the fact that edgar did all of this with an eye condition that required strabismus Mm -hmm. or whatever it is um that required him to he just had to work harder and then he had to outwork everyone else. And maybe in, maybe that's why he was so great. Like I mean, maybe I when you have that limitation, it mm-hmm. forces you to work a little harder and you get an edge from it. I think that's almost because, because the connection for, for Pujols and for, for Edgar is almost that it, it seems like for them, they were going at like 75% speed and you know that that once you know the pitch came in it just you know it never was too fast it never was breaking too late mm. you know i mean obviously pujols is a disaster now but like anyone who can remember 2004 to 2012 where it was just unbelievable it was impossible it was impossible to watch pujols hit and and it really felt pretty similar to watch Edgar you know Edgar didn't have quite the same power but it was otherwise it was pretty much the same I mean it was just oh you know this pitch is 
any you know anywhere in the zone he got it (laughs) he got the barrel to it when you hear that cliche um slowing the game down right like oh i'm just i'm learning to slow the game down i've always been like what is that like what does that mean it's it's like go about one's business Mm -hmm. like i think that those are the two sport the two baseball cliches i've probably heard the most is like Mm -hmm. oh i'm I need to learn learn how to go about my visit. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Or trying to be a slow professional. The game down. Yeah. Try to be a, right. Um, but I think that's like that's what we're talking about, right? Pujols, yeah. Edgar, yeah. they They're, were able to slow the game down. And and I think I I mean it's pure speculation at this point, but I mean the idea of. Uh, that that Edgar, because he had this condition almost that that he had to essentially adopt a position of being a reactor, mm. you know, of of saying, you know, well, I'm not going to, I can't guess because if I guess wrong, I'm going to look foolish, mm-hmm. you know, that I have to be a beat slower, but because of that, but that will allow me to be right. And and if I'm right, you know, if I'm right in what I do, I just have to do what I do perfectly. And he was so consistent. I, I think as a result of that, and, and it, yeah, I mean, patience pays. The book yeah. does not lie. The yeah. book title does not lie. Uh, it's <laughs> apparently fifty four dollars on Amazon. Holy so smokes. I would I would tell you to go buy it. But um, uh, if anyone is interested, I will scan my copy, and you can all read it that way. Oh, yeah, bring um, down the book. <laughs> speaking of cliches, we had the media day today, mm-hmm. uh, which always, anytime baseball people are in a room, they are going to spout a certain amount of cliches. I watched, I watched and blurbed the, um, the whole spectacle for our readers did either were either of you able to watch any of it? Did you? No, I did no. not. I, I followed your updates and I yeah, followed so Shannon this, Dreyer's. Okay, so this segment is just going to be me talking. Yes, please. Yeah, ice okay. Okay, ice okay. We're calling the clear out. <laughs> I wrote literally. I was. I. I. I've. This is now my third one of them. I think because I'm pretty sure I did 2017. I've not been able to find it. Uh, we as a staff did 2018. Mm. Um, this one I sat down and watched and then was keeping... I had sort of an article open and was just typing furiously the whole time. Um, obviously, there were some things that, you know, just general housekeeping things that we heard about, about the field conditions. They're redoing all the sod after Enchant. Um, we saw some cool things that are going to be coming up this this next year like uh special nights fireworks nights um edgar hall fame weekend obviously we have all of this listed in the article if you or you know you can go look at the mariners twitter they have all of this um but after that we got to hear from we were supposed to hear from jerry depoto but he was off making a trade for hunter strickland signing him signing him signing him yep sorry signing him not making a trade um so Andy McKay talked for a while about the farm system, and then we heard from Depoto came back, and then Service, and then Malik Smith, New Mariners, Malik Smith 
Justice Sheffield and J.P. Crawford all talked. Um, it was lengthy and there was a lot of information that came out. I will say that some of my big takeaways were, um, one of the things that I heard a lot was we were getting back to the control the zone philosophy, which is great. I think they really pushed that hard in the first year in 2016. We saw a big uptick, uptick in players taking more walks, um, in pitchers not giving up those walks and getting strikeouts and then that just kind of seemed to go by the wayside a little bit in 2017 and was completely lost in 2018 um apparently uh, in the words of scott service ryan healy will find his pitches this year d gordon will take more pitches this year <laughs> well it's settled i mean yeah he's promising it i don't know um that but it does it did and jerry said it as well that both both of them were kind of leaning on this importance of getting back to the control of the zone i will be interested to track that over this year generally when they say something when they make the time to say something which they didn't address control the zone at all in Mm-hmm. DePoto take accountability for whether her 
and we are op we're operating under the assumption that the Mariners are not lying when they come out and say, I did not do that. Um, then that's an appropriate response. If they are, and if the accusations prove to have weight behind them, then that's a different conversation. But just kind of going off of what is being said, I think that that's something that I really wanted to hear. It was not just like, we're vindicated and justice will prevail, but some measure of taking of accountability. So for me, that felt... And they're limited in what they can say because it is an open investigation. Um, but just hearing that DePoto recognizes that there was a mistake made or many mistakes made mm -hmm. in how... And him being willing to take accountability for that really felt reassuring to me. Yeah, it. I mean, it, I think that's at the very least the type of thing that we had sort of wanted to see if they were willing to do and you know it's certainly easier to take responsibility when you have a contract extension and ha good point but you know i i, I it is you know I, if if we can you know if if we can find something within what Dr. Martin says that really sort of sticks, then there's, there's, it, it doesn't matter whatsoever. Um, yeah, absolutely. But... That's a whole other, personally, I'm feeling like the possibility of that is dwindling. Like yeah. Being and able and to... not even, not even that, that it's, that it's made up or that it's not, but just that, that there will be any sort of, resolution that that we get to MLB right. or yeah. the legal system will find in her which yeah I mean you know it, I don't know I, the, there's no there's there's still no good answer and there's still no real there's good outcome still no but good outcome the, but you know the Mariners at the minimum just sort of taking sort of responsibility and yeah. starting to take responsibility is, Depoto is said a he was half step in the right direction Depoto said he was embarrassed about how things turned out. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a good... Yeah, he should be. Yeah. Um, because uh, whether or not these things are... Uh, have a basis, in fact, it is an embarrassing situation. It, it made the organization look bad. Yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, he's, you know, in this offseason particularly, he's seems like he's making a conscious effort almost to just acquire a bunch of black players which yep, is like let's talk about a that. very yeah it's a very <laughs> rare thing in today's game to like have what is it like six or seven black dudes on the 40-man mm -hmm. roster or at least like close to the 40-man roster yeah. including now i guess shed long who's the newest acquisition in the mariners um yes indeed system so i mean yeah that is it's something that i've definitely noticed like i don't think he's ever gonna address it and be like 2019 Mariners, like, bigger and blacker or anything like that. <laughs> but, but, like, it's, it's, it is something that is happening. Chris Rock is canceled. We're taking it back. <laughs> yeah. Jerry DePoto is announcing his I'm not racist tour. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it is, like, 
it's exciting, I think. And they all, like, I think, you know, to generalize a little bit here, like, a sort of common thread between a lot of young white players is they're, like, just going to be the cliche machine and, like, not say anything, you know, that's going to even be remotely considered disrespectful. And then, meanwhile, like we said, Malik Smith on his first day had the two <laughs> best players in franchise history, T-Rexes. And, like, you know, they're already talking about their dogs. Like, that was one of the few things oh, that yeah, I have yeah, seen yeah. from mm-hmm. the media day. And, like, they just seem like they are having fun. And, like, that's so refreshing to see, not only for, you know, black Matthew, players, but you, for did, any players. Matthew, did you pull that number of six on the 40-man from your head? Or did you, have you That was that? off the dome. Did I get it that, correct? You absolutely did, which is impressive. It is That six. has to be the most is it six? of any team. It is six. Um, it is. It is. Wait, did I? Count? I, th- I thought it was five. I, it, no, because it's Malik's. Yep. It is Shedlong. Yep. It's Crawford. It's Three. Beckham. Yep. It's Justice. Yep. And D-Gordon. Justin Dunn is not on the forty oh, man, but Justin Dunn. Did you, say D- <laughs> did you say D Gordon? Oh, we didn't say D Gordon. Yeah. We didn't oh, say of course. D. Gordon. Oh, fuck. Yep. So there That's you it. go. That's it. I. I will admit I already forgot about Tim Beckham, but he is on yeah. the team, so we, we welcome him with open arms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Justice, uh, Tim, Crawford, D, Shed, and Malix. Yep, six. Six out of 40, by the way, is 15%, mm-hmm. which is double, because I think the last thing I saw said that... Um, MLB has a rate of about six percent African American. Yeah, six or seven is like what they've mm-hmm. yeah what they put it at. So fifteen I, on the forty man, fifteen on the forty man plus, as we've mentioned, you have Justin Dunn, you have uh, Dom Thompson Williams, you have some other guy. You have Art Warren, who liked our tweet about um, <laughs> the fact that the three faces that they put forward, the three new faces of the Mariners are all black. Uh, but yeah, the, the Mariners are getting very diverse, which is super ironic, I think, for an extremely white city. Um, we've got, there's African Americans. There's the only Tongan player in MLB, Sam Tuivailala, uh, the first and only Tongan player player of Tongan descent, I should say. Yeah, I think he's yeah. half Tongan, half Mexican. But, I believe that's but correct. Did was born and raised in San Mateo, California. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, is very proud of his Tongan heritage. Of course. As of he course. should be. Uh we've got, you know, obviously the Latino players. Domingo. Uh, Domingo, Edwin, um Gerson now. We've Ichiro got Kikuchi. Still in the mix. Ichiro, sure. <laughs> Um, I think that they're kind of, they're folding that back in. And even among the Latin countries, you know, they have players from Panama. They have players from Venezuela. They have players Brazil. from Brazil. My yeah. child, my child, Gun Omasako. Uh, Chris Isn't Pedral, there a Taiwanese pretty... player too? Yes, that is uh, Chang. Ching Yu Chang. Ching Yu Chang. Yeah. Yeah. Who is um, at spring training right now and hilariously living Roommates. with Cal Raleigh and Logan Gilbert. Doing the sh- baby shark dance. Doing baby shark. Yes, I <laughs> will post that. I will put. Po- remind me to put that. Remind me to put that in the in the story. 
yeah, I mean, there's, I, I, it feels a little like 2016 again, where there was like a really exciting infusion. Um, but the idea of D, so we lost Nelson Cruz, who was a key leader, clubhouse leader. It really, you look at all three of those guys, all three of them today said that D had texted them. Shed Long, who is our newest Mariner, uh, mm-hmm. acquired because Jerry can't keep his nose out of a trade. Mm-hmm. We sent Josh Stores, also African-American. Big bummer. Sad to have lost him. Um, but flipped him for Shed Long, who is pretty cool in his own way. Uh, also really good friends. Works out with D during the offseason. So the idea of D Gordon, clubhouse leader... I feel pretty good about. I feel really good about D Gordon, clubhouse leader. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun vibe for sure. Like, it's not that Nelson Cruz wasn't fun. fun, but no. But Justice said when D called him immediately after he was traded and talked to him about the locker room and said like, "Oh man, it's so it's so fun. Like we have so much fun here." And Justice said like, "Yeah, that's me. Like he doesn't want to be uptight. He." Loves that kind of relaxed, playful vibe. I think it's going to be a really good clubhouse culture. And I I like the idea of D as the leader. I think you can say what you want about him on the field. D Gordon's a good person. And oh, absolutely. He is 100% a leader. He is who I want leading a clubhouse. And I think it's really cool to have an African-American clubhouse leader think it's really cool to have d be that person i'm excited i have not i've been really writing off 2019 i'm super excited about what's happening at the lower levels obviously i love julio i love jared kelnick like i like that younger wave we have and i've been willing to kind of be like a 2019 whatever but I'm starting to get a little excited about what what this team might look like over the next couple years. Totally. We're even getting some Jared personality, too. On Twitter, yeah, he's been, like, yeah. making jokes. And, like, he tweeted about he's J. Trying. Cole. Like, he's, yeah. he's showing his wide range of he, interests. He's really trying. He's trying so hard to have a personality. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that about him. I, I do want to really quickly just uh, touch on Shed Long before we yes, go. Yes, please uh, do. I, I, please I, great, do. We're, we're wrapping up here. Obviously, it's been a sort of megapod. Um, but the Mariners traded Stower, Josh Stowers for, for Shed Long. He's great. Um, this is a good trade for the Mariners. Uh, I mean, obviously, it could work out you know poorly. But just on its face, it's a, it's a good trade for the Mariners. Stowers is a... Good player, could be a solid major league player at some point. I hope he is, because seems great. Um, but Shed Long's very talented. He is he pl- is able to play second base, probably can play outfield, probably can play a couple infield spots, probably not shortstop, but they're, they're intending to use him at third base as well, see what he can do over there. Converted catcher, so he's got the arm. But, I mean, just... 
a legitimate hitter and a, a really interesting yeah. player and a really interesting person. And Earned my love forever position. for saying when he was traded to the Yankees, he was like, well, I kind of knew that wasn't. What am I going to do <laughs> with the Yankees? That's like baseball mecca. Seattle's uh-huh. a much better fit. I was like, okay, low expectations. Uh-huh. The right way to come <laughs> to the Seattle Mirror. Absolutely. But, I mean, just, you know, has that has that sort of same just has hit at every level uh kind of kind of vibe and and is a i mean plays a position that the mariners don't have no they got nothing middle infield stores was sad to see go but we got nothing on middle infield there are plenty of outfielders and especially i mean especially i think once this season starts going we're gonna see this person's performing this person's also performing the Mariners will move there because I mean there still isn't much or anything really at third base and there still isn't much in the way of starting pitching depth so you know the Mariners are going to have to fill in some of those holes with money and they will uh, and some of those holes are going to have to be filled in through the draft and through development and some of those holes will have to be filled in with trades and this is the first sort of step of that of okay, we're going to hopefully get something out of having a surplus of talented outfielders and Shed Long, we should see probably in 2019. Uh, If not, then we'll see him in 2020 and we'll see him and D Gordon playing together. uh, And and it's, we're going to have some events at the Tacoma Rainiers stadium this year because it's going to be a lot of fun to watch a lot of these people and it's going to be cheap so and tacoma is going to be literally other than in past years it has just kind of been a collection of dudes burgo yeah christian berman who's the uh, the big beard guy who's evans was that his name oh he was in double a i don't i don't know no 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 no, brian evans brian evans yeah you're thinking brian evans he i'm pretty sure he was double a but um, anyway, they have collected a lot of kind of cast-offs from other, or, you know, Andrioli, Cam Perkins, I mean, guys mm. who, you know, fringe guys hoping for a breakout. Tacoma's going to have actual prospects, which is mm. not something we've seen over the past three years, probably. Mm. So that's going to be really exciting. Um it's mm-hmm. definitely a great time to be a Rainier season ticket holder. Yes. Get down there as much as you can. Um, great place to take the family. So that's my plug for that. Um, um, I personally am excited to have so many prospects that we can all have sons. Like Jared is our strong son. And <laughs> Shed is our glasses wearing son. Um, goggles son. Goggles son. Bow outlaw is our son. goggles son. Matthew, I know you love Nicholas Zamorelli the third. Down sure in, do. Down in, gonna <laughs> hopefully make it to Double A this year. He is our our Italian stallion son. Um, yep, Nikki Three Sticks. Nikki if you're Three listening, Sticks. Uh, we love you. Yeah, uh, I have Ian seen you Miller. play countless times. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Miller is our slender adult son. Um, just all of, all of them. All of them are our sons. So. Uh, it's pre- it's pretty exciting. Justin is our sh- justice is our short king son. Sam uh, the disproportionate our body. Yes, <laughs> Mama, why you give me this disproportionate <laughs> body? 
so it's pretty it's pretty exciting. Like there's going to be something fun to watch this year. I don't know what it's going to be. If it's going to be at the major league level, the minor league level, it's going to be something fun. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. All right, my show's coming on. I gotta go. Right. Um, we're gonna try to seamlessly stitch this together with other things. They won't know. No one's gonna know. This we'll is gonna see. be a spectacular. Yeah, fluid we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes.